Welcome to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring you weekly sermons that uplift your soul, strengthen your spirit, and praise the Lord. Whatever your reason for listening, we're grateful for you spending your time with us. May God open your heart to love and your ears to hear. Mark 1, verses 14 through 20. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. As Jesus passed along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were in their boat mending the nets. Immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. May the words in my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I am a planner. I like to know what to expect. I like to make to-do lists. I even make lists of the lists that I need to make. In fact, when I found out I was pregnant with Daisy, our oldest, what I did within the hour was drive to Barnes and Noble and buy some pregnancy books, most notably what to expect when you're expecting. I didn't spend a few hours or a few days just taking the news in, praying or resting or walking, reflecting with Kyle, my husband. I didn't even wait the two days to get the book from Amazon Prime. First things first, I wanted to know what to expect, what to plan so that I was prepared. One of my favorite quotes is from Don Saliers, who is a pastor and a scholar. I was privileged to study with him in seminary. He taught my class on public worship. And this is what he said, quote, the Holy Spirit never rejects good planning. The Holy Spirit never rejects good planning. His point in this context is that while we make room for the Spirit to move and worship, of course, it's also our responsibility to give shape and thought to the act of worship. As a planner, I love this quote. If you've known me for any period of time, you've probably heard me say it. That's why we know what our call to worship and benediction are going to be on March 28th at Sandy Springs. The Holy Spirit never rejects good planning. So this is one of the reasons that I find today's text from the Gospel of Mark remarkable. Jesus calling his first disciples is powerful on many levels. We have the news that John the Baptist has been arrested for the message that he is spreading and teaching. We find this new call to repentance, turning around our lives, turning around the world. 
And then Jesus finds some ordinary people on an ordinary day doing their ordinary job of fishing and says to them, follow me. All of it is powerful. But the most remarkable part of this text to my planning brain is the word immediately. Immediately. It's not there once in this passage, it's there twice. Jesus calls Simon and his brother Andrew, asking them to put down their nets, follow him, fish for people instead. Immediately, they do so. They follow him. Then Jesus sees James and his brother John mending nets and says, hey y'all, come, come follow me too, leave everything behind. And immediately, they do. Fishing was their livelihood. It's not like it was an activity that they did for a day off or on a week's vacation. They fished to feed themselves and their families, to feed others. Fishing was their life. It's integral to their identity, like their fathers and their father's fathers before them. They knew since they were boys, the first time they helped their dad cast a net over the side of the boat, that this is who they were and how they were going to spend their lives. And then Jesus comes along and like he often does, he stirs everything up. Now I would have asked, okay, Jesus, tell me more. What's the salary package or their benefits? At least let me go and say goodbye to my mom. I gotta make a packing list. And on top of that, Jesus, can you tell me what this kingdom of God is that you are talking about? Where exactly are we gonna be going? When we follow you? Is there a book I can read? Is there a five-point strategic plan for kingdom building, a map at least? Jesus says to them, you've got a whole new way of life now. Your livelihood depends not on fish, but on people, on the kingdom. Feed yourself off the people you'll encounter as you follow me. Feed the people with living water and the bread of life. Follow me and fish for people. And they do so immediately. Today, as we continue in our worship series theme of covenant, we are exploring the second membership vow in the United Methodist Church, and that is presence. Showing up. Showing up to God, showing up for and with one another, showing up in community. Last week, Susan preached a powerful message on prayer, the first vow. If you haven't listened, I encourage you to go back and to do so. Our primary covenant relationship is with God. And one of the ways that we show up to God is through prayer. A personal relationship with God is vital in a life of faith. But, and there's always a but with God, when following Jesus, faith is not an individual sport. We have to show up not only to God, but to and for and with others, which is another way of showing up to God. Because we worship a God who chose to come to earth in human form. This is how God ushers in the kingdom, by showing up in a human body and calling us to follow him and to show up for humanity. And that human form, God touched the untouchable, ate with outcasts, talked with women and foreigners, healed with hands and words, gathered disciples around him to journey together and in inaugurating the kingdom, instituted the Last Supper, telling us to eat 
with each other in community and communion in the name of Jesus. Physical presence matters. Showing up in community matters. Faith is not an individual sport. Of course, I don't need to tell you that the great irony and one of the tragedies of this pandemic is that the most loving way we can show up for each other right now is by not being in one another's physical presence. So how do we live this vow out? How do we fish for people when we can't be around people? When I started thinking about this question, <clears throat> about this membership vow, my temptation was to go in the direction about all of the ways that we are going to be able to be present for and with each other when this pandemic is over in the future. How we can create a 10 point plan for hospitality and community and fellowship to welcome each other and all those folks who are hungry for community. I dream about that day as I know you do. I'm overjoyed with the prospect of filling our sanctuary again with songs and hugs and voices lifted together in prayer. That day will come. There's light, friends, at the end of the tunnel. But as you know, we are still in the tunnel and we can't know right now how long that's gonna last. So how do we heed the call of Jesus now? How can we live out our covenant to follow Jesus, to show up for him, to show up for others in this challenging time? Those first disciples give us a clue. Immediately, they left their nets and they followed him. Immediately. I still believe with all my heart that the Holy Spirit never rejects good planning. But I'm starting to wonder if I need to focus more on the Holy Spirit part than on the planning part in this season and in my life of faith. This pandemic has taught us anything. It's that so much is out of our control. As I heard someone say this week, we can only look five feet ahead right now. The most we can plan for is that likely our plans are gonna change. Now hear me, it's not that plans in and of themselves are bad. Another tragedy of this pandemic is that hundreds of thousands of lives could have been saved if there was better planning. Planning matters. But I think that the challenge for us as people of faith, the challenge we find in this text, is to ask what is behind some of our most carefully laid plans. As people, as followers of Christ, as churches, because when I'm honest with myself, often my planning is less about that particular act and more about trying to paint the illusion that I am and can be and will be in control. And whether you are a planner like I am, hopefully for your sake, you're a little more laid back. I do think that we have a tendency as human beings to see the world through our own lenses make plans that are the best for our particular interest and believe that if we just try hard enough, read the right books, pursue the right career, look 10 years ahead, we can control the outcome. And that often we know best. But look at those disciples. <clears throat> they didn't wait for the right time to follow Jesus until everything was in order or they had all their questions answered and the future secured for the crisis or a challenge to be over. 
In fact, their world was in deep crisis. For their own community, John the Baptist had just been arrested for his message, and the disciples are still willing to give up everything and to follow Jesus to continue that message. And they were living under Roman oppression with real daily threats. Much was uncertain. What they did know was that they wanted to follow Jesus. What they wanted to do was make disciples and by doing so, be part of transforming the world. And what they were doing, fishing for fish, wasn't making disciples. That's what they knew. So they changed their lives. They didn't have any certainty beyond that. So I'm asking myself, what if I, what if we let these earliest disciples be our guide and tried as hard as it is to let go of our need for certainty? What if the most pressing question before us as Christians, as churches, is simple but hard? What am I doing right now to make disciples, to transform the world? And how can I do that in Christian community with other travelers on this journey? And not wait and do it when we can be back in our sanctuaries, not when we have a carefully constructed five-point plan, but right now, immediately, with where we are and what we have, as imperfect as that may be, trusting that Jesus has called us for such a time as this. We can't defer participation in the kingdom of God. As much as we'd like to have certainty, we don't. The world we knew before 2020 is gone for good. The crises of covid and white supremacy and a threatened democracy, they are real and they are present and they are deadly. And what exactly the future holds beyond this, we can't see in specificity. We know that we can't go back. We can't know for certain where we are going. So what do we do here and now? Immediately. It's scary. It's scary to give up control to make sacrifices like the disciples did of comfort or what we have known, to put down those familiar nets that have sustained us, sustained others for generations, and instead follow this call to say, am I making disciples? If not, do I need to put down my net? But the good news is friends, when we put those nets down and dare to follow Jesus, dare to fish for people in his name, Here's what is certain. His kingdom will come on earth as it has in heaven. And that kingdom is far more beautiful and glorious and world-changing than anything we could ever imagine, create, or plan on our own. Because this is a kingdom where women and foreigners and outcasts and sinners are gathered together at that heavenly banquet table, that table where everybody is welcome and nobody will ever go hungry again. The kingdom where swords are turned into plowshares and spears into pruning hooks, where we will study war no more. Where the thirsty have enough to drink, the naked are clothed, the oppressed are set free. The place where death and mourning and pain are no more. The best news is 
Jesus brings this kingdom here and now. This is what he tells those first disciples and he tells us. And we have each other in Christian community to help bring it into being. Friends, what are we waiting for? May it be so immediately. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sandy Springs United Methodist Church podcast. We hope that you have found our podcast helpful and hope to be in ministry not only to you, but with you. For more information about Sandy Springs United Methodist Church, please visit www.ssumc.org. Until next time, may God bless you.